I figure out how to do this. Excuse me while I, so I don't choke myself. Yeah. Well, it's good to see y'all. Ah, yeah. Let's pray and get started, y'all. Yeah. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to be together. And Lord, we ask for revelation and impartation that just, uh, Lord, just one, Lord, unveils your face. And Lord, also unveils who you created and called us to be. And, and Lord, to walk in all the awesomeness that who you are and who you have called us. Lord, you have called us to your glory and your excellence. So, Lord, we want to receive it. We want to walk in it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, well uh, we don't have PowerPoint this morning. In fact, I wasn't going to do handouts, but I just at the last minute, I just really felt like the Lord said, do it. So I um, put it together as just as this, because that was just something out of my heart that I just really felt like God was just wanting to speak. Um, and the title, as you see at the top, is Overcoming the Drift. You know, you could say, take a lot of pictures about that. But when I say drift, it's got to do with, you know, drift in relationship who God has called us to be and who he is. Or literally, vision or purpose or goals or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, I've been in a season in my personal life, it's just in the last couple of months, just of such crazy revelation from the Lord about things that it's just almost been kind of, uh, overwhelming, you know, because there's been so many different things coming at me. You know, one, you know, you know, in relationship to the church as a whole, and one is in relationship to me. Another is, you know, of course, you know, I've been taking this, doing this doctor ministry thing. I'm not going to say demon because Tulio says it's demon, but <laughs> but but doing this thing, and you know, and so you can't hang around with a bunch of people who really love the Lord and who are just really striving to just get all God who God is, that you're not getting stirred up. And so, and so I've been catching a lot of stuff. Well, in this, all of a sudden, it's sort of like when you get a mirror in front of your face, the mirror of the glory of the Lord, and all of a sudden you start seeing some things that where you're at right now. You know, a lot of times, like if I come in out of the, I mean, to the house from, you know, out, out in the woods, um, weed eating or walking in the woods, you know, and I've, I don't know, but I got sticks and grass all over my face, you know, and, and you know, my, all over me, you know, and, and I stand in front of the mirror and I go, ooh, I guess I'm, uh, I need to take a shower. And it has sort of been like that for me, particularly one area who's come up in my life is in relationship of living intentionally or literally with goals in mind. Uh, I used to be a person who was really intense in relationship to goals. Now, I wouldn't make a big production about them, but I just sort of set them and I did them. Like, for example, when I graduated from college, two major goals, three, one major goal and one overarching goal. One, to uh, deal Jesus with youth in Okeechobee in, in the area around Lake Okeechobee. That's how I met Tony. Uh, to, you know, we, we established Fellowship of Christian Athletes chapters all around Lake Okeechobee. I think about five of them. God just said, deal Jesus in prisons, wherever we're at, First Baptist Church of Okeechobee. You know, just dealing Jesus with youth. Uh, the second thing was is to be, to be in business, to be successful in business. And, and, you know, God gave me opportunities in relationship with Dad and, and Bud and to be able to participate in that and do some really cool, participate in some really cool stuff and learn how to learn life and 
And so they, and that happened. And God called me to go, you know, to, for us to go into full-time ministry. And so we ended up going to seminary. And God put goals in my heart in relationship to seminary. You know, Rick, you know, go through seminary. You get an opportunity. You know, don't miss a class. Make all A's. You know, just, just constant stuff in relationship to that. You know, when I graduated from seminary, you know, it's going to a traditional Baptist church. God, I just want to reveal your nature and character to these people. Then the fullness of your spirit be manifested. Bam. And then some crazy things happened in my life. And when I came here to work with uh, Eagles Nest Campus Ministry at Tech in Radford, my heart was, the goal was, is that students would experience the reality of, of God. And that's what, what it was about. That's what Eagles Nest was about. We just did. We did. We just got, we just majored on getting in God's presence. And, and he did the rest. And uh, real simple. And so... Uh, but then something happened that I started drifting. And it's really been a, in the last probably number of years that drift was a part of my life. Now, things would break through in my life. We're like where God gave the vision in relationship to dwelling place here in relationship to uh, particularly you see that picture out in the, in the lobby. Behold, I've given you authority in this region. You know, and say, oh, Okay. But as overall, in my life, there's been a place of not living in intentionally. In fact, the phrase God gave me this morning was, is living intentionally, abundantly, and eternally. Living intentionally, abundantly, and eternally. I settled on for second best. And being intentional about it. And, uh, and so God... In fact, what really brought this up to the forefront was there was this guy that was, I was just listening to him talk, and he was talking about, he was talking about some of this stuff like this, and he, and he said, let me tell you a scenario. Just imagine this scenario. True or false? Uh, Sir Edmund Hillary probably was telling me that there's a movie out about Everest, you know, out right now. <laughs> Tuppy's shaking her head, and Robbie's going, oh, it's good. And, uh, but anyway, there's this movie out about Everest, Mount Everest. And, uh, and Sir Edmund Hillary, as you know, was the first, first uh, Englishman, and then there was the other guy that climbed it alongside him. But so they climb up Mount Everest, and they come off, and some reporter comes up to him and says, okay, how did you climb the mountain? What did you do? How did you do this? And he goes, well, I don't really know. I was just sort of out wandering one day and thought I'd climb Mount Everest, and here I am. And he goes, not. And when that guy was sharing that story, I just really felt like the Lord was saying in my heart, there are many, there are a number of Mount Everest's in your life. And what you've been doing is just been wandering around hoping you end up there. But the reality is the Mount Everest in every one of our lives in this room does not take a solid goal, vision, and intentionality to go there. Because, y'all, in this life, drift will kill you. It'll kill you. And it's so easy to fall into drift. You know, like it talks about in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, where we must pay close attention to the things we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And so... A couple of passages of Scripture, if you would. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 
verse 24. And there's some things that the Lord has put on my heart for us, living intentionally, abundantly, and eternally. And I pray today, I just pray today that it is like in me, some of the things I, you know, I feel sorry for like Mitch and Tulio and Impala, you know, because there's been just this sort of this overflow of this stuff in my heart that's going, okay, you know, all right, this is what's happening to me. I expect it to happen to you too. And, uh, and so, but notice this passage says, do you not know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, verse 23, I do all things for the sake of the gospel that I may become a partaker of it. That was his goal. Everyone who competes in, an exercise, competes in games exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, run in such a way as not without aim. Everyone. I love verse 24. I want to repeat this. Run in such a way as that you may win. Well, I just want to ask this morning, first off, that you would exercise the authority that God has given you in your life that you're going to run in, a, in, a, in such a way to win. Not to finish second. I remember one time, my one track meet expedition. One time. It's all it took. And I picked the worst place in the planet probably to do this, and it's a place called Pahokee, Florida. Pahokee, Florida. It's a place that is known. Pahokee and Belle Glade and Clewiston have put, probably those three towns have put more people in the NFL than any small grouping of, of, of small towns in the, in the United States. I think I, I heard one number. In these small three towns on the south side of Lake Okeechobee, I think I heard 40-something people, men, have gone into the NFL. 40-something. That's not considering also like other sports, like baseball and basketball. That's just the NFL. And one of the characteristics in that region is those dudes and dudesses are fast. So I just, so this one time I'm going to run the 880 in a track meet in Pahokee, Florida. So, Coach, I, I was playing baseball at the time. Coach says, come on, run. Come on, run. It's good for you. Come on, you need to compete. So I go and I show up. And so here we are. And we start running. You know, this you know, the gun goes off, start the 880. You know, 880 is two times around the track, you know, it's a half a mile. You know, so I'll never forget this. I'm coming around to the first time around the track, and I'm thinking I'm doing good. Everybody's starting to cheer, but didn't not realize that right behind me was the guy who was going to win the whole race, who had finished twice, and I went around once. <laughs> that dude was running the wind. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> Slow white boy making his appearance on the track. I don't know. The dude just said, get out of the way, brother. Let me get through this thing. You know? Anyway, run. First thing to make a choice this morning that we're running in a way to win. Don't just drift thinking that you're drifting your way to the Mount Everest in your life. It won't happen. I mean, it won't happen. God's purpose is in a way 
In fact, also I want to say this in Hebrews 10, 36. You've got to realize this too because when I, the Mount Everest in our lives in relationship to our lives, we've got to realize this. They're not sprints. They're marathons. My life is a marathon. That's why it says in 1036, where you have need of endurance, for after you have done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. I like that. I like that. Running with endurance, running with intentionality, God promises you will receive what was promised. The second thing is in this passage, and I want to look in verse 26, it says, run in such a way as not without aim. Last question is this. How many times do you get your, catch yourself getting up in the morning not living life with aim? You got a schedule. I have a schedule. I could open my schedule. And there'll be, there'll be appointment after appointment on my schedule. But in God just saying, convict me. So just because you got a schedule don't mean you're living it with aim. How many times, Rick, have you picked up that schedule? And you intentionally prayed over each one of those appointments, heard the voice of God, and heard what God was saying before you get there. I remember many times when I was in the grocery business, I would, you know, I probably shared this with you. I'd be, we had, uh, we had stores, 18 stores around Lake Okeechobee, which was about, what, about 100 and, I don't know, about 120, 35 miles around Lake Okeechobee, and we had stores around that lake. And so it wasn't uncommon for me to Drive that lake all the way around it, you know. Every day, you know, you get up, 6 o'clock, head to Belle Glade, because that's where our main office was, 50 miles from Okeechobee. 54 miles from Okeechobee. But anyway, but many times when I was on the journey there, getting ready to go to a store, I'm praying and asking the Lord for what's going on there, and he'd tell me what's going on in that store before I get there. Being intentional on where you're going and what you're doing. Being intentional. Aim. Aim at something. And now I start thinking about it. Okay, God. Um, you, that's, that's how he operates. I want, to, I want you to notice a couple of past scripture with me. And we'll just take about God. Look at Isaiah 46.10. Get this. And it's kind of a crazy statement. But in Isaiah 46.10, declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying my purposes will be established and I will accomplish all my will. I want to phrase that, focus on that phrase there. Declaring the end from the beginning. In other words, when God is getting ready to prepare the beginning, he's already purposed the end. Like, for example, in I, uh, you know, uh, your names in Revelations chapter 17, verse 8, your names have been written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundations of the world. So before God said, let there be light, he wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life. And so then he worked everything. He's been working in view of this goal. He works from the end back. Well, how many times we live life from the beginning forward? And if you're living, if, if I'm living life in relationship from the beginning forward, guess what? You don't get anywhere. You know, how many of you this morning 
got in the car and go, now somebody may be in this service here today if this happened, but this has happened before. But you just get up and go, well, I think I'm going to go somewhere today. Oh. <laughs> Most of you in this room go, okay, going to 3325 North Franklin Street, dwelling place. The greater the journey, the more intentional you have to be in relationship to the goal. And so God the Father, in relationship to every one of us, declared over us and wrote our names in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundations of the world. And you know, we've talked about this before many times, names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they're erased, Revelations 3, 5. Because why? God is doing everything he can to get everything in relationship to this goal. Jesus, John 17, verse 4. Think about this. Where it says, I have, he's praying to the Father, he says, I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Finished. It's finished. I have glorified you, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. In other words, Jesus had clear-cut objectives in what he was doing. In fact, yeah, it was so important that he would not vary from that. Just get the, for example, remember when the Syrophoenician woman came to him and said, uh, you know, come and heal my daughter, cast out the demon from my daughter, harass me? Jesus said this, it's not good to give the bread to dogs. He said, and he makes a statement, I have been called to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It wasn't that he was cruel to this woman. It was outside the sphere of the ministry that he had from the Father. He had one mission, and he could not vary from it. Now, that woman, her faith drew out of him salvation. But Jesus wasn't going to Syrophoenicia. He was intent on one thing, to fulfill the will of the Father, and that was in relationship to the house of Israel. And then as the house of Israel, the glory of the Lord spilled out of that, then it would go to the nations. But Jesus, he knew his goal. He stepped into it, and that's what he did. In fact, every day, the reality is Jesus lived life intentionally in relationship to that goal. Went very from it. So, how about Paul? at the end of his life, you see this statement. Hear this statement. I have run the race. I have what? Finished the course. Ah. Obviously, Paul, in fact, we know he did. He had a heavenly vision what God told him specifically what he was to do. And, uh, and where, how he, the goal and purpose of his life was. So that you're at that place, at that point, that you're drawing your last breath and you're going, I'm ready. Because you know what? It's finished. It's finished. You know, I watched my mom live, you know, her last breath in that, where she, you know, where dad and bud and I were there, and, and she's just saying, I just want to go home. And she wasn't talking about down 203 Southwest 21st Street. She was talking about she wanted to go to heaven. And as soon as she died, the Lord spoke that second, Peter, that second Timothy passage to me. This is when Bud and Dad and I were out in front of the hospital right after Mom died. The Lord spoke that passage of Scripture to me intensely. 
because mom run the race. She finished the course. Now, mom personally didn't know that for sure, specific what it was, but I believe this, that every one of us can live life in a way that we can know exactly what the Father is saying. And then we can go, okay, it's finished. Now, two levels in this, y'all. I think it involves two things. One is what the purpose and vision of your life is as a whole. Second thing is purpose and visions, their goals or purposes, whatever you want to call them, in relationship to specific seasons in your life, times. Like, where's Paula? Is Paula here? She's here. There she's in the back. I know for Paula there was a specific season. Her goal was to disciple Shay and Michelle and stand along beside me. But her main vision and goal was to disciple Shay and Michelle. And she, was, she partnered with us and all the ministers, what we were doing. But that was intentional. She was intentional on that, and you just didn't get away of that. And I found that out a few times. And so, like a mama bear with, bear, with cubs, you know. And she would help me. She would remind me of that commission. <laughs> and she would help draw me into it. So, because I could get distracted also. So anyway, think when I speak these things. I just wanted you to speak. Think, okay, where am I going as a whole? And where are you going in these seasons of your life right now, this day? Because like I said, now let me repeat this, why it's so important. Paula just got back from a trip from New York last night about midnight Got back from going up and seeing Michelle. Michelle showed her another horse show up there and was, by the way, regional champion uh, of, the, of that region. New England. Wasn't you? Wasn't it, babe? That's right. Did I say it right? Of that region of New England area, so, which is really cool. And I think I told you all that she's been invited by the Olympic coach to go to a symposium in Maine in October, so that's really cool. So anyway, there's goals right there for Michelle. She set a goal to go to the Olympics. So, y'all, let's make plans. All who want to go, wherever it's going to be, whenever it is, we're going to go to the Olympics, you know. Maybe Raina uh, uh, Worley. Maybe it would be cool wouldn't it? Michelle and Raina was at the same Olympics. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? And then you could really cry, BJ. Uh, <laughs> Cheering up right now. <laughs> <laughs> BJ cries when they, they play the national anthem on those albums. <laughs> Yeah, well, he sees the rings, he cries. So, so anyway, so it's just resolving our heart, y'all. Okay, what I said was, remember what, I, what the Lord was just really saying was, the longer the journey, the more intentional your steps have got to be. Paula, when she was going on the way to New York, she says, okay, I'm going to New York. And for some crazy reason, her, her um, nav system on her phone kept going and taking her through downtown New York City and... And on an on a afternoon, that's not a really cool thing to do. So I had to navigate her. She kept calling me on the phone saying, okay, help me with this. What exit? You know, and all this stuff. So I kept, she kept calling. I'd give her exits, you know, to go to, look to, roads, interstates to look for. Because she's got this destination, and she could not just hope she was going to get there. She had Francis with her in the car, which even made the stakes even higher. You know, she didn't want to get lost. And so she, each 
each mile really had to be driven with intentionality, right? And I just want to say this and just stop a second. And this is what the Lord was saying to me. Rick, how can you expect to get to the destination that I have for you and drift there? So I just say, drift be gone. So notice the question there. Be intentional to live each day with purpose. Well, here's the question. What's purpose? Now, I want to I tell you all, uh, we were doing the interns the other day, and Leah, Leanne and I were there teaching with them, and Liz was here also, uh, there also. And we uh, was talking about some of this stuff, and uh, just keep things sliding down. And uh, it's, it is drift. <laughs> There, Robbie's going to cure that drift. Thank you, Robbie. Good brother. So, oh, bless you, Lord. Um, I don't need the phone. Drift be gone. Yeah, that was. It does. Be gone, drifter. It's, um, okay, here's my question to you. But anyway, Leanne asked this question. And, and I go, ah, oh, this is so relevant for every one of us in here. Okay, imagine this. And, okay, just imagine it first, okay? Somebody comes to you and says, okay, you have 30 days with unlimited resources. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? 30 days of unlimited resources, what are you going to do? I'm not going to embarrass anybody to ask what you, what you would do, but I ask you to think about it because I will say this in a few minutes. It is not just a um, case study. I'll talk about some more details about it in a second. In fact, while, I'm at, while you're thinking that, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9. Because I want to ask you to think about this. And this, again, this is not in order. What would you do? Well, it's interesting. I, I've asked a number of people what they would do. Some, would, some said, well, yeah, man, I would, uh, man, I would hit the amusement parks in the world. You know, um, you, know, you know, you get all kind of crazy answers. It's interesting. I asked Simonis and O'Reilly this, this question, and Simonis is, this is interesting. This is true. I'm revealing him and telling our secrets. I go, what'd you do, Mitch? <laughs> well, I, I, would, I would take care of as many people as I can. That's a paraphrase. I remember it. And I go, that's just like Simonis. And in that was a truth. But I, I told him, I said, well, I want to ask you to think about something else. Because the reality is, I want to say this, y'all, this is not just a case study. The reality is, do you know this? In Ephesians 1.3, it says that you and I have been what? Blessed with every spiritual blessing. Where? In the heavenly places. Do you realize in 2 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, that God richly supplies you with all things to enjoy? Do you realize it says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that you 
and I, all grace can abound to us. And it goes on that you may have an abundance for every good deed. Uh, Robbie, Robbie, you know, shared a pastor's scripture when he was all lit the other day. Not drunk, but he was, you know, he was lit on his pastor's scripture in, in Romans chapter 10. You want to share this? In Romans chapter 10, for, huh? In verse 11 and 12, and he, goes, and he says, he says, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Whoa. That's pretty cool. You let that sink in. I mean, whoever believes, in the Greek word continuous action, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Hope does not disappoint. Tara Wojcikowski verse. I think she wrote that. She told Paul, Apostle Paul about that. <laughs> You know, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. You know, what, what does it say in uh, Mark 9, 23? All things are, what, possible to those who believe. See, the world has this concept. They, they believe, they, they catch this from God. They take God's principles and they use it. Because you'll see statements, in, like in football locker rooms, what a man believes he can achieve. I've seen it. And it wasn't a Jesus thing. Because why? There's a, there's a force in this, in faith. When you get a person who believes obstacles, they can overcome obstacles, whatever it may be. And then Robbie points out this other, this other verse in verse 12, which is really crazy and cool. It says, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all. Get this, abounding in riches for all who Call upon his name. Abounding in what? Riches. Oh, dude, did you look at past scripture like 1 Chronicles 29, 12, where it says it lies in God's hand to make great and strengthen everyone. Y'all, I just want to say to you, in every seat in this sanctuary where there's people sitting, greatness is sitting. Greatness. Abundant resources are over your head. Jesus. And you know the only thing between you and it is your head. <laughs> really? It's your head and not your heart. Because it was with the heart you believe. It's with your head that you look and you see and hear the doubters. Oh, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can never make it. That vision, that goal, that whatever it is you got is not a, that's not, that's, that's stupid. That's stupid. Whatever. And so I just want to say this, y'all, that the, there's two things. You have, you and I, that situation, that scenario, 30, 30 days of unlimited resources is not just a parable or a case study, it's a reality. And what I want to ask is in here, I'm going to share two things that God, I want to ask you to think about two ways in relationship to these, this, this uh, blank check that you and I have. There's two things. But before I say that, we go, Rick, why, uh, why, uh, um, why am I struggling? Well, you know, there's a number of different reasons it may be the case for that, but I do want to remind you of 1 first, first, first James, the first book of James. 
because the second one hadn't been put out yet. But in James chapter 4, verse 2, you lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You're envious and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive. Get this. You ask, you do not receive. What? Why? Excuse me, I'm sorry. Because notice what it says. You ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Because here's my question to you. The first time when I said that to you, my question is to you, when you said, I said to you, got unlimited resources for 30 days, what's the first thing that came to your mind? If it was in relationship to you, you missed it. And, you know, and I'm going to pick on Mitch. Mitch's heart, I believe he'd have done what, exactly what I just said. But I said, I want you to ask you to entertain something else. You get unlimited resources for 30 days. What I'm going to ask you to do is this. Take, it, take those unlimited resources. No, no, sorry, before you do that. I says, what's going to happen in those 30 days? What's going to happen in those 30 days? Guess what? The world's going to be back in the same place. Because y'all have ever noticed the world is just like trying to water the Sahara Desert? You ever notice that? Man, I've, I've done that many times. I've gone over with resources, money in my pockets to go over to places overseas, places where there's poverty, and you walk down the streets and like you give money and you're trying to help people. But you leave and guess what? It is as if you were never there. And so, so I just want to ask this. In fact, one thing is that we want to deal with is we want to, we want to get rid of and, and uh, get away from what I call the, uh, excuse me, the lottery curse. I did some research. Um, and there is something they call the, the lottery curse. Because a good number of the people who win the lottery end up worse than they were before. There was one man who, I'm just reading this to you, it says who was the largest jackpot by a single ticket, ticket, a total of $315 million. A 55-year-old man who was already reported before the win was worth $17 million before he won, Okay. So all of a sudden, he gets $315 million. Well, you know what? Soon after his record-breaking trip, trouble began to surround him. And I'm not going to tell his name. In all ways, less than a year after winning, the couple thieves broke into his car while he was at a strip club and, and stole $545,000 in cash. Great question, because... A little later, somebody else broke into his car and stole $200,000. <laughs> anyway, to make a long story short, the guy ended up broke. He ended up losing not only the $315 million, but what? The $17 million, which he had before. Why? Because he did not know to handle, how to handle wealth. 
And I'm not saying I do. Dad does. I mean, Dad does. He can, he can make money out of a, I don't know, a piece of dirt. Simonis is one of those. Dad and Simonis, we ought to put in the same room. You know, because there's some things that's very, very important is, is that when you get wealth, and I'll just say this to you, you already said it to you, you've got wealth. First thing is, is you're going to do is you're going to invest it. So that, guess what? You take, then, you know, I just asked Mitch, I said, your heart's to feed these people. So guess what? You take a good portion of unlimited resources, then you turn around, and then you're not just feeding them for 30 days. Guess what? You're feeding a significant number for a long period of time. For a lifetime, yeah. And so the first thing is I want to ask you to put in this, to invest. Now, I want you all to look at this 2 Corinthians 9 passage. There's back to it because there's something that just really was, was hitting me about this. And this is a whole context of giving. Now, watch this, y'all. Verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Okay, where's it at? Where's it at? I guess that's not good grammar, is it, Paul? Where is it? Yeah. So, but anyway, I started writing a dissertation, and I could tell I'm wrestling with trying to talk proper, write proper. But anyway, where am I at? Oh, nine. Now, I want you to look at verse 10. No, in verse 9. For he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor. Well, y'all, if he gave to the poor, they wouldn't be poor. I remember when I was a kid, Mom, I would ask, I remember I was asking her for a horse one time, and she said, Mom, can I get, can I get a horse? Can I get a horse? Or can I get this or that? And she says, Yeah, well, we will when we get your rich uncle out of the poorhouse. <laughs> And one day I asked her, I said, <coughs> you know, of course, anybody else would be an obvious question, but it took three or four years for me to catch that. <laughs> Mom, if he was rich, what's he doing in the poorhouse? I don't think she answered me, but <laughs> because, you know, obviously we don't have a rich uncle in the poorhouse. But, but anyway, but the reality is, I don't know, what did I get there? What am I talking about? Oh, poor. God is given to the poor. Where has he given to the poor? I want you to hold, keep your fingers there in 2 Corinthians 9. I want you to look at with me in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 4. Is Nick, uh, Nicholas in here? Nicholas, here's the answer to your question the other day, bro. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 4. Look at this. It says, uh, I'm going to start verse 3. From a foreigner, you may receive exact, you may exact it, but from your, but your hand shall release whatever your brother, whatever of yours is with your brother. Now watch verse 4. However, there shall be no poor among you, since the Lord will surely bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess. In other words, y'all, Poor is not in God's plan. Do you realize this? And I don't know the exact numbers, but Matt Moore, when he's going here, he, we and I talked about this, but you know there is enough wealth in this whole, in this world to make it where there are no poor? No poor. Zero poor. What did he do? 
The whole goal is, is that the rich, whoever receives, doesn't hoard to themselves, but what? Gives. Because you know what? That's what... So, so the, one of the crucial things, y'all, for us to understand in relationship to living intentionally, to living intentionally, abundantly, and eternally is, is the reality of, of giving. It's to give. Because that's why it says, in, but also you have to give with understanding. Okay, watch this in verse, in verse 10. Okay, so God said he scattered abroad and gave to the poor. Okay, he's given to the poor. And you watch this. Now he supplied seed for sower and bread for food. God will multiply, I mean supply and multiply your seed for sowing. You realize this? I don't have any of my, I don't even have my wallet. I don't have any money in my wallet. All I've got is receipts. But you got any money? No. no. Anyway. You realize this in your wallet. Right now, there's two types of resources in your wallet. But not just money. I'm talking about there's time, there's gifts, there's whatever, time. There's resources that you have for sowing. There's resources that you have for food. Very important to discern the difference. Is that when all of a sudden you've got all the resources of heaven and all of a sudden God gives to you, you know, all of a sudden you need to realize what you have. Is it seed for sowing or seed for food? I remember there was this precious lady in our church. One time we had this dude way back in the very beginning. I come in, came in and preached, and he said this. He said, uh, I want you all to, uh, okay, take the amount of money that you make and come up above it. And then what I want to ask you to do is, is, uh, is say, okay, above this mount, which is over and above what you normally make, what I want you to do is, Resolve in your heart that whatever you receive over this amount, you'll give away 50% of it. So she prayed about it, and she said, you know, okay, well, Lord, I don't work. What do I do? And so she said, Lord, just put it on her heart. She says, whatever you receive, just do that. Whatever you receive, just give away 50% of it. So, well, anyway, this couple really was struggling this time, really struggling financially. They were really hurting financially, and we in Dwelling Place were helping them with just a lot. And so this one day, this brother walked up to me and handed me this envelope, and he says, you know, here, uh, me and my wife want to give this to you. And I'm going, uh, you know, I'm going, first thing I said, uh, I can't receive this. I mean, in my mind, I'm going, bro, we've been, we've been sowing into you all along, man. I can't take this. And so... Uh, um, you know, so he said, no, you got to take it. I just put it in my pocket. Then I went to Paula afterwards. And, you know, I'll tell you what I did was, okay, you know, I just put it in my pocket. It was in an envelope. It was a check in an envelope. And I just, I just uh, you know, went, went on. And, you know, church ended. We all went away. And I just, as it over, I, you know, I opened the envelope. And it was $1,000. And I go to Paula. And I said, Paula, you've got to talk to his wife. I mean, I mean, we can't, we can't receive this. And so, and he told us, he told us, here's money. You and Paula go do, God just put it in your heart. You go do what God has just put in your heart to do. And so, you know, be blessed. <coughs> uh, I'm feeling guilty until I heard the story. 
So this mother, what she did was she got $5. Somebody gave her $5. She gave away $2.50. She went down to Walmart, something like that. She found somebody that looked like it was in need. She gave them $2.50. All of a sudden, out of the blue, somebody gave her $10. So she, she says, well, okay, I'll give $5. She goes to the grocery store. She gives somebody $5. It, 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 the numbers kept increasing until somebody gave her a check for $4,000. We just had one half of the half. And you know the really interesting thing to me? It wasn't long after that that the husband got a job that was just really the job that could take care of him. And I think that whole thing began with her understanding the resources of heaven and living intentionally and abundantly. Resolving in your heart to you're going to, the kingdom of God is real and you're going to live intentionally, abundantly, and eternally. Because I will say this, y'all. Some of the seed that you get, you may not want to receive here the fruit. Because if you receive it here, there's no reward in the age to come. So I'm going, okay, God, okay, okay. Give me the right seed for this age and the age to come because I definitely, I don't want to receive all my reward here. Ah, I'd like to make it here, yeah, and live good. So anyway, but anyway, so the second thing is that I want to ask you to just consider is to live in a manner to fulfill that purpose and goal. And I want to say this to you all, that is God's heart for you and I to live intentionally, abundantly, and eternally. I, want to, I just want to show you a couple things. Go through public. Go to 2, Corinthians, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. God's judgment. We'll go, to, we'll go all the way to this end. Go all the way to this end, okay? Because there's a place of, I just want to say, y'all, living intentionally here. Set, set goals before yourself. Hear the voice of God. Don't set them out of yourself. You know, you know like I have a lot of brothers say to me, say, oh, yeah, I just want to earn... Uh, you know, a couple million dollars, that's my goal, to earn money. And I said, brother, if you desire to get rich, you will stumble. That's not, your, that's, not, that's not a cool goal. Let me just tell you this. The heart of your father, though, is to bless you, to live as a son. And that's where Robbie was on the other day. Robbie, was, Robbie and Greg were at the car lot with a brother. They were looking at some car or something like that, and one of the car salesmen, you know, it was about like 5 o'clock in the afternoon, told them, you know, Hadn't sold anything, and Greg goes, by the end of the day, you're going to sell two cars. Wasn't long after he called. He says, you ain't going to believe it. You're going to believe it. I sold two cars. And it was, to one person. To one person. <laughs> Bring a few more of that. <laughs> I mean, what, what Greg and Robbie were speaking in the guy to live intentionally, to believe for it, not just drift into it. Got it. Jim, right up the... Dylan Jesus, I've been repenting to this. So, I mean, there's a lot of this stuff I've been repenting. And Paula, I was trying to repent to her all night, and she was just I was causing her head to swim. <laughs> On the phone, it was. So she's she driving back. She was focused. But I want you to live this. I just live this. Look at this. Yeah, I want you to live this. Come on. Come on, Rick. Look at verse 7 and 8, where Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, oh, God's judgment. You know, a lot of people go, remember, you hear people, you know, they put, prepare to meet your God. You've heard me say it before, and I'm going, 
you know, they're putting that, writing that to put fear in us. And I'm going, prepare to meet your God. Yeah. God's judgment. Yeah. Because why? What does this verse say? Who will award to me? There's a few times in sport, sports that where I had awards given to me. They call your name. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's me. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, I just couldn't resist. Sorry, babe. Um, but, you know, that is God's heart. God's judgment is to be a place of what? Award. You know, or 1 Corinthians 4, 5, where it talks about uh, stop passing judgment for a time, and it goes on and talks about, um, it says something really good. My mind went blank on it. 4, 5, where it goes on to say, disclose the middle of the men's heart, and then each man's praise will come from God. Or, or, you know, God's heart is in 1 John like 4, 16 and through 17, where he says that you may have confidence in the day of judgment. So the summary of this is that I just want to just summarize up into you. Two steps, y'all. That this end right here with our God is designed by God to be a place of abundance. Like, in fact, like award, rewards, treasures. I mean, that's here. That's here. But do you realize this? Go with me to Mark chapter 10, verse 29. Verse 29. Where the disciples, Peter asked him, and says, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, father or children or farms for my sake or for the gospel's sake, but he shall receive a hundred times as much in the present age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, farms, along with, I don't know if we throw that one in there, along with persecution, in the age to come, eternal life. In other words, y'all, it's just work from the end back. You gotta have something to keep you humble, really. <laughs> that's right. I guess that's right. Probably said you gotta have something to keep you humble. <laughs> because in this place here, y'all, God's saying, I will show you the abundance of my riches for ages to come. You can I can live abundantly in relationship to this. But also, I just want to say this: that in relationship into here. You can live abundantly in here. Now, wealth, y'all, I just want to say this. Wealth is a bunch of different things. You know, do you know that relationships is the prominent type of wealth in the Word of God? Where it talks about a wife in Proverbs 31, 10 and 11. Her, you know, she is worth is far above jewels. So the greatest wealth that you can have is relationship. My, one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. You know, the richest man in town. So, you know, when I start talking about this abundance, you know, it can be, it can be anything that's good. It can be anything that's good. So, 
the thing, the, the word that the Lord really put on my heart is, is for us in dwelling place. And I just want to ask y'all this. I'm going to go back to that question that I asked y'all earlier. You got unlimited resources for 30 days. What are you going to do? Now, I just want to say this. And I just, you know, like, like I, I was, I'm going to pick on Nick Nicholas. I asked the Nick interns this, and Nick started processing. That's the reason why he started talking about, well, I want to feed the hungry. Feel, feed the poor, hungry the poor. I said, Nick, let it sit, brother. Don't just settle for feeding a few people down the street, bro. End world hunger. Whatever. Put, put it in. You know, be, you know, I just pray the Mother Teresa's in this place. Rise up. Because you remember, everyone in here has a destiny to be great. The only thing that's holding you back is your head. The only thing is, is seeing what God's saying. God's going, I've got it. I've got it. Just don't settle for less. Don't drift. Don't sedate with the world's stuff. Believe it. Set it up. I'm going to tell you this. I, you know, when I read that Mark passage, I think about Paula. How many? I just thought, think about her home. And we built our home in Okeechobee. You remember that, Agni? You know, we built our home in Okeechobee. I mean, we designed it and everything, built it. And all of a sudden, I come to her and I say, hey, babe, uh, God's telling us to sell out and go in ministry. Sell your house. She sold it. We moved to, man, how many places we moved? Moved to Reiner. Sell it. Moved out, in, out off Smith Creek Road. Sell it. Then we, she was in heaven. I was in torment. Though when we moved to Blacksburg in townhouse, and she's going like, ah, yes. You know, she, you know, really, it was a nice townhouse. But God's, you know, God said, here's opportunity for the property. <coughs> sell it. You know, sell it. To move into a, a broken down mobile home where you prayed that the floor in the, under the bedroom would not fall through at night. Serious, I'm not, you've heard me say it before. I prayed hard, Lord Jesus, it'll be bad for my marriage if this bed ends up on the floor of the, the ground underneath this trailer. <laughs> Angels, hold it up in Jesus' name. George and Jen could tell you how that floor was, and we had it fixed. Before they, you know, so... But, I mean, now Paula has the opportunity. We live in, guess what, the, the, the house that we believe that God gave us. It's her dreams. Am I saying that right, babe? Her dreams are good. You know, also, I just think about this. She left family. She left family, and guess what? She's received many times as much brothers, sisters, you know, children. You know, I just want to say this. We have a God that desires to richly, abundantly supply you with all things to enjoy. And that's where Robbie, the verse that Robbie was saying to me, he says, he who believes in him will not be disappointed. The only thing calling to us is live intentionally. Ask, ask this, and Paul and I are in this process that even solidified it even more is that what is, your, what is the purpose of your existence on this earth? What is, what are the, the short-term purposes or vision for you right now? 
that you, when you get up in the morning, you can live intentionally in relationship to those goals. I was, talk, I was talking to, there was a study done of Harvard graduates. The survey was done that were at this particular time, in 19, it was in 1979, that this survey was done. And there was 18% of the graduating class of this class of Harvard had goals that were not written down. Okay, so they had goals. 3% of the graduates of Harvard that year had explicit goals that wrote them down. Interesting thing happened when they served, when not, 10 years later, they went back and surveyed these same graduates. Interesting thing. The 18%, how much was it? Let's just put it this way. The 18% was, was living, was making, well, they're making a whole bunch more than the other 82%. They were making a whole bunch. No, it's 18 and 3 makes 79%. Is that right? 79%. Uh, you know, a percentage, okay? The 18 was making a whole bunch more. The interesting thing was the 3% who received their goals, wrote them down, and lived intentionally in relation to it, lived <laughs> 10 times as much as all of the others, if you took all their income and put it together, they lived and made more than all the bunch. Because why? They weren't drifting. They weren't drifting. So here's the question is, what's the Mount Everest in your life? What is the Mount Everest in your life? And the question you got is, are you just going to hope you end up on top? Or are you going to set goals, hear the voice of God? In fact, that was interesting. The song that y'all sang today is about he's spoken, I have heard, and there's what? Power. Are you going to, he's speaking, my sheep follow me because they know my voice. You hear what he's saying, set these goals, set the things that he's saying in your life like the Apostle Paul, and he would not vary from it. Jesus went. The only, well, I'll take it. He would. Paul did. The only time he varied from it is when he got in trouble. I'm not going to go there. But what is the Mount Everest in your life? What is the Mount Everest in your life? And ask God to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to live with intentionality in relationship to that thing in my life. You hear my heart? Y'all got anything you want to add? You want to add something like that verse you was having? You like that verse. I know he would. Where's that microphone? What'd you do with the mic, Leah? Well, um, on that verse, you know, there's a there's a precursor to that verse, and it's verse four. And this boy, if this just don't, this thing right here will just light you up, son. Right here. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Oh, come on now. <laughs> that's in that same vein of Scripture. That's the vein of gold that's in that, in that Scripture that we're, that we're mining. And it says, for, the Christ, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone believes. 
this invisible bar that we're trying to reach has already been, re- has already been reached. God already reached it. It's already done. And we receive it by believing it. It's already fulfilled. It's finished. We don't have to perform or earn it, try to make it happen. We believe it and we receive it. Okay? It's there. It's at our access. We have Fort Knox at our access, and we walk around with chump change. <laughs> See, we, we, I do. I'm guilty. I mean, I'm not talking about financially even. I'm talking about spiritually. Man, I have Fort Knox at my access. I have every spiritual blessing at my access, and I walk around with chump change in my pocket. You go on in that vein, same vein of Scripture, and, it's, and it says, you know, for the Scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. You remember, you know how we say that a lot of times? Well, Jews are, are, the, are the blessed people. Well, not according to that Scripture. And they are, but so are we. <laughs> He says, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on his name. Now, I I looked up riches in the Greek because I'm a good student. So I wanted to make sure what riches meant. And it's from the word plateo. I think, is that right? Pretty good. A little bit I'm working on it. I'm working good, on it. Bro. It means to be rich, to have abundance of outward possessions. God wants us to be blessed. He's, he's, not, he's not wanting us to be sad, sack, poor, and broke. And, and I think for some of us, our Everest is our religion, is our theology. I love you. Lord, call my mind two things. Uh, is this still on, Dan? Yeah. yeah, two things I want to close out with this. One is, um, I was praying about, Lord, where did I start to drift? Where was it I started to really drift? And the Lord reminded me as I was praying about, Paul, you'd be interested in this. <laughs> I started drifting the time that when I was here doing campus ministry, and all of a sudden I started entertaining the thoughts to go back to Big Stone Gap. And the Lord, the Lord said to me, some of the biggest things that can cause you to drift, you think about it, that's the destination, and you start doing this. Ask a farmer what will happen is if he's plowing a field doing a straight line or digging the furrows, is, and all of a sudden he starts looking back. Jeff, you're mowing. You look back. Next thing you know, you're over here. That's what causes you drift looking back. Some of you are looking back. And God's calling you to live intentionally forward. I just want to just highlight something. And the Lord told me to, sh- I really feel like the Lord told me to share this, like in relationship to my dad. You couldn't get any poorer than how he was raised in Big Stone Gap. I remember when Y2K hit and we were going, you know, everybody was saying, well, you know, everything's going to be shut down. Banks going to shut down. This going to be shut down. We'll lose power, money, you know, electricity and power, no water and all this stuff. You know, I said, what do you think about that, Dad? He goes, I didn't have it before. <laughs> Did pretty good. I'm going, oh. But the interesting thing was is that, you know, he worked in the coal mines, you know, got tired of breathing coal dust, working the hoot owl shift. 
I moved and did a, heard this opportunity just to operate and set goals in a relationship to live life more. Bought a gas station in Melbourne, Florida. But then realized there was something else. And that, that even goes, no, no, I got a chance to buy the, build a convenience store in Clewiston, Florida. So just the story is that your dad had a heart, work hard, but realized to set goals that God has created us in a way and operate with integrity and character in which he did, can live and be blessed. And dad has exemplified that for me and, and our family. And I do thank you in that. And I just want to say is that when you live intentionally hard toward the things that God's put in your heart, I'm going to say this, the sky is the limit. I just want to say in here, y'all, there may be the cure of cancer in this room. There may be, like Nick, okay, the, the end of hunger, because God said, it's my desire. You remember Deuteronomy? I don't know what it is, but I just ask y'all this, believe for it. Don't settle for it. Live intentionally for the Mount Everest. Don't settle for Mount the dike at Okeechobee, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's not much of a mountain. Go for the Mount Everest in your life. All right? All right, Jesus, we're going to close. And we're going to pray. And we'll be up here and, and believe with people uh, about things. Can I ask the freedom teams to come up, please? Uh, first responders, sorry. And freedom teams, whatever. Come on, Mitch Lee, I'll come on up. So we just want to believe with y'all. We're going to believe if you have some areas in your lives, you know, BJ Terry, come on up. Team of two. You have something you want to add? And close it? Yeah, go ahead. You got something, Joe? Something to add? Okay. Sorry, thank you. Um, I was just hearing, you know, in the spirit a couple things, and I just want to share it with you guys. The first thing is, that the Lord is saying, you guys, some of you guys have this principle down. You're really good at it. You've got these goals. You've learned this. You know. But the Lord is encouraging you to, to reevaluate that in light of his heart. And he says, um, you know, some of you have these great goals. And they're good things. But sometimes good can be the enemy of great, right? And so I uh, just hear the Lord just encouraging us, like, reevaluate those goals, Really prioritize because it doesn't, you know, we've learned, we spent a lot of time about talking about the kingdom. The kingdom is inside out. It's upside down. It doesn't look like what the world looks like. We might have goals that line up and look like success in our lives, and we want to measure it according to what looks like success in this world. But God is just saying, take some time to reevaluate those goals. Make sure that they're important to the kingdom as well. Because it's a principle, you're going to be successful at it, you're going to put it in front of you, you're going to walk towards it, you're going to achieve it. But at the end of the day, is it what you really want to achieve? When you stand before the Lord in all eternity, and you got all eternity to walk into, you can say, great, you know, you achieve that goal, but is that really the goal that you wanted to spend your whole life working towards? So we have an opportunity to stand before the Lord, we have an opportunity to, to really reevaluate what is that goal? Uh, the other thing I heard him say is some people have said, yes, I've heard this before. Um, I've tried this before. It just didn't work for me. 
And I'll, I'll be honest with you, that's me. I feel like I've, I've got too lofty of goals sometimes. And I just want to encourage you, something the Lord whispered to me while Rick was speaking. He said, just, just take the next 30 days and say, what do you want to do in the next 30 days? Just focus there. I can do that, right? I can just say, okay, one month from now, what, what do I want to do for these next 30 days? What do I want to achieve? Maybe it's one day a week I'm going to work towards something. Maybe it's two days a week. But I can do that for one month, and then I can reevaluate. And I can get back before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do for the next 30 days? Right? And I can trust Him on these step-by-step achieving these goals, right? Cool. Yeah, I had something very similar. It's really neat. This um, Dave, I don't know if Dave got the word or if he handed me his phone, but Proverbs 19.21, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And that's a good good proverb, uh, obviously, to live by. And, um, because and I, I take us back to that, you know, when Joe was saying, because, he, you know, he's definitely a, you know, he, he has a, some ginormous big goals out there. But just remember, it's a marathon. Like, you know, just remember, keep that, you know, keep that overarching things. Grab some smaller ones so that you can have some things in between to reach for. But, but definitely don't, don't lose that overarching one. Uh, because, uh, so let's just stand. I'm just going to pray. Uh, and I just feel like the Lord is just saying, there's going to be some people up here. Feel free to come as I'm praying. Um, if, the, if, if it applies to you, just come on. If you need, know you need some prayer, just come on. Uh, and just stand, and we'll get some people to pray for you. But I just felt like the Lord's just saying, you know, it's, remember some of us are looking back, and, and we've been, you know, chunking some ground up, you know, off on the left and the right when the Lord's saying, get back to the, what you have, what what's before you. And so I'm just going to pray that. Um, and and also, um, well, there was one more. Um, just making sure that, oh, that's right. Just making sure that, that when you when you think, because I really believe I, I can see people's hearts and, li- and minds and hearts churning on this word, which is good. But remember, it's kind of what Joe was saying. Make sure that it lines up with the kingdom before you. Make sure that, because I know I have a lot, I can get very fleshly in my goal setting. <laughs> I can get, I can be, and it feels good. It will feel like, yes, okay, yeah, yeah, that's, I need to do that. But when I really take it back down, it's really because that's what I'm strong in. I need to hear what the Lord's saying. Because when Rick asked me that, and, I, and all of a sudden I said, well, I'd feel, you know, I just begin to feed people. I just begin to get people out of the poverty, out of places where they were at, and this, that, and the other. And then all of a sudden, it struck me after 30 days, that's gone. It's like, I need to live more intent, more, a bigger, I need something bigger than that. I was thinking too, too simplistic. I need something bigger that the Lord's taking me. So I'm just going to ask for the God, just like that verse, the God purpose, the God goals for you. So... And then we're also going to pray for Jessie so she can make her way up here on my left and her right, on y'all's right. So, Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for that word. Lord, I just ask in the name of Jesus that the fullness of that word, God, would just be revealed in each individual. Lord, as we go forth from this place, as we think about this word, as we, as we sit down with the Lord, or maybe we sit down with our spouse, or maybe we sit down with some friends, or whatever that might look like, and we start thinking and, and, 
and, and setting and living intentionally. God, I just pray that, Lord, these things would be God goals. They would be God purposes, Lord God, and that we would hear your word. Lord, we wouldn't just write something down and all of a sudden, you know, feel like we've got to grab it right now. But, God, that we would hear it and remember to walk purposely. Lord, walk intentionally, walk abundantly towards those goals. And so, Lord, those things that are before us. And, Father, forgive us for where we have it. We've just been drifting. Forgive us for where, Lord, if you just need to take a minute, just ask God to forgive you for drifting. I just feel like we just need to stop and just ask that. You need to take a, this is, this is a response to ask forgiveness for drifting. Yes, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, Lord, forgive me. For, forgive us. Forgive this body, Lord God, corporately and individual for where we've drifted off. And Lord, Lord we, we've been looking back or or we've been drifting, uh, we've just been living unintentionally, God, forgive us, forgive me. And Lord, I also just ask right now, just ask forgiveness for where we've looked back and we've tried to figure out how to go forward by looking back, God, in Jesus' name, just break off that, God, break off the, po- the poverty mindset of, of the lottery, Lord God, just where we've maybe, gosh, if I get that, then I'll go do this, or if I, if I win big, then I'll... I'll give it away or whatever. May we start with the $5 and give away $250. God, may we start with the $10, give away 5 God, forgive us for waiting until we get somewhere else to start walking in that. God, and Lord, we just ask in Jesus' name, God, that you would set us apart from this, even this day, God, even this word, God, that this body dwelling place would live intentionally, that Mitch Simonis would live intentionally, abundantly, and eternally, God, that a dwelling place would, uh, and, every, and everybody in this place, God, hearing this word, God, would live intentionally, abundantly, and eternally, God. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for that.